This is the Sarah Swain Show, where we talk all things bold and courageous business and have big and free conversations with brave humans. Nothing is off the table here, so get ready to be moved, challenged, empowered, and propelled into action. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. I'm so excited you are here. You have been someone that has inspired the living daylights out of me for a very long time now. So uh, it's an honor to have you on the show. Um, I would love for you to tell the people who you are. I know who you are, but some of the listeners uh, may have never heard of you before and the incredible restaurant you run. Uh, we're going to dive into your story today. So do you want to just give a quick Coles Notes background of maybe where you are in Canada, uh, the business that you run, and uh, anything else that you may feel the folks would find interesting? Okay. Uh, my name is Rebecca. I live in Vancouver, BC, born and raised here. And I own a restaurant called Corduroy. It's in a smaller uh, town called Kitsilano. And we've had the restaurant, this is our is it our 14th year this year? It's our 14th or 15th year this year that we've been in business. I uh, started it with my partner and just the two of us. And uh, obviously in the last couple of years, being in that restaurant industry, we got rocked with a bunch of things. Uh, I'm also a mother of five. This is my fifth baby here. So mm-hmm. I apologize for any noises that you may hear. <laughs> um, and yeah, we had quite the sort of bold introduction into what it's like to speak against the narrative and get blasted through the media in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a wild journey, but I wouldn't change a thing for it because um, it's brought me to a lot of people, including you. Um, but yeah, it's been kind of a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> the last two years. You know, I, I hear the same from a lot of people who have been put through the ringer in the last couple of years, whether uh, they have chosen to be a voice or they've been put in a position that, uh, requires them to make a choice, uh, to be a voice throughout all the hardships and the, and the devastation that that has caused. Most people are saying they still wouldn't trade it for anything because of the community that has shown up, uh, and the people that have all of a sudden come into our lives. Um, I, I can, I can relate. I wouldn't trade my choice to be a voice in this for anything either. So talk to us then, obviously you're in the restaurant industry. We know that in Canada, that's an industry that has more or less been decimated, not only financially because of the number of restrictions that have been in place, lockdowns and such. Um, Your situation uh, is a little different though because you were one of the restaurant owners in Canada that stood up and said, no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) So what was that moment like for you? Like, what was that period of time in your life? Like where all of a sudden you started to feel like, I don't like the way this is going and it's not aligning with me. What were some of the things that were going on for you? I have to say in the beginning, we went along with everything. It started with shut down for the two weeks. And so we did that ended up turning into six months. We actually closed for six months uh, just because of, you know, everyone being scared, staff going on the CERB. It was just too difficult. It wasn't worth it. We're a really small restaurant. So we're like, you know what, let's just close. We'll ride this out. We'll reopen in the fall. It'll all be over, which we thought. Um, 
then it wasn't over. So we, Mm -hmm. we realized, okay, we're just going to get back open. We've got this. We had our first weekend. Everything was great. It felt kind of normal. Um, I think it was August or September and then bam, they shut down restaurants to half capacity and we had to close at 10 and normally we open till 2 AM. So we, that's a half our business, half capacity. Well, restaurants have such a small margin as do most businesses, any limit to how many people we can serve. We're basically, we're not even breaking even. Yeah. So there was that. And then it was, um, Halloween, you have to close at eight. And then there was like new, it was all these things. They just kept hitting us. And so in the f- spring of 20, I guess so I'm mixed up because it's been so long now at 2021, they said, okay, we're going to close indoor dining for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And right away, I was like, this isn't going to be a couple of weeks. We know what a couple of weeks is in their mind. Um, and there was just this gut feeling, this intuition to say, no, we, we have to take a stand. I'm, I'm a mom. And, um, my first thoughts are like, if we just keep complying our way through this, we're just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper into this shithole that they're trying to create. And we had already um, fought for our kids to not have to wear masks. We actually pulled our kids out of school, but um, they were trying to make our our kids wear masks to play sports and stuff. And I immediately was like, no, I'm not going to comply with that. So that was a fight. So I already had a little bit of that in me. And then just when they were trying to close our business, this is like, this is how we support our family. Um, and no one else was, was speaking up. And I said, okay, if we, we will speak up, I think a lot of people are going to be on our side. And um, I sort of got immersed in this community that was also sort of trying to fight these mandates. And it seemed like there was a bunch of restaurants that were going to be on board with us. Like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. like, no way we're not going to do this. It doesn't make sense. And it's not that we were trying to just open just because we needed to make money. Um, there wasn't any data or, or science or proof behind it. Cause I had been asking, I, yeah. I talked to the restaurant association. I got FOI requests. There wasn't like, there was this, we were this big safety hazard. There wasn't a ton of cases coming from restaurants. So it didn't make sense to me. Plus the fact they were allowing restaurants to erect these tents in their parking lots. And that was okay to have full capacity because it was outside, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't outside. It was inside. We didn't have the space to do that. Number one, and we don't have the money. Um, And so it felt like it was targeting the small business. And we kind of, if you're on the same page, the way you and I think, you know, that's what this sort of is targeting. Um, And it's the bigger restaurants that can get through these things because they have the money, they have the space, they have the time, they have the staff. Um, And it was, like I said, it just went to this gut instinct this intuition of feeling like, nope, we're doing this. I had no idea what it's going to be like. I'm an extremely shy, introverted person. I do not like to be in the public eye, public eye at all. Uh, and I was like, we're going to do this. So then we had this opening day amongst this small community of businesses that we're going to say, screw that. We're not closing. We're opening um, because something needs to change. This needs to stop. It was like, it's like a, a form of protest. It wasn't like, we're going to make money. I don't care. It was because no, something isn't right here. This isn't making mm-hmm. sense. We need to draw a hard line um, and ended up being, we were pretty much one of the only ones. <laughs> so that, that was like, been hard. yeah, okay. Uh, we found out the day before that no one else was going to do it, but we're like, you know what? That's okay. There was one other restaurant that's, that, that ended up doing it for a little bit with us. Um, and I, I knew it was going to get media attention, but I was not prepared for the feeling of everybody hating you. 
like to, yeah. for, you know, like the community, the, the news for people I don't even know to say I'm this horrible person that like I'm a murderer because I'm opening my business. It was, I wasn't prepared for that. I don't think anyone could ever be prepared for that. Um, so it was really hard. It was a few dark weeks where I was like, what have we done? Was this the right decision? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, there, it, there was the whole community that was behind me as well. And I was like, nope, this is the right thing to do. Um, because it, 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 even though it's getting all the bad press, it's bringing the awareness to, you know, closing people's businesses is not the right answer. It's exactly it's not the right answer. You're affecting, yes, you're closing doors to protect people, but in the same time, you're creating this massive wave of collateral damage that it's hurting. It's not just me. It's uh, my staff has families too. It's the yeah. ripple effect. Um, and also again, with no data behind it, there was, mm-hmm. there was no science, no, no proof from no what straight I, answers. No, no, nothing. No. Yeah. So, okay. I can't even imagine what that must've been like, because I think a lot of people and probably even a lot of listeners right now, uh, may be at the point in their own journey of thinking, I got to say something, or I got to do something because this isn't sitting right with me. I'm growing concerned, but there's always this fear, right. Of when you use your voice, uh, there is going to be backlash. I don't think any of us are, um, able to escape that in, in any way that also allows us to stay true to ourselves and, and our freedom of thought and the way that we perceive things. So to be someone who has simply just decided to open their mouth on their Instagram account, I feel like you were burdened with a whole other level here that you had to navigate because you became like a publicity storm in British Columbia. Uh, And as you mentioned, you're someone who is perfectly fine kind of being behind the scenes, homebody, running a quiet little business, minding your own business, um, you know, enjoying time with people in your life, your staff, and, and just kind of moving through everything to all of a sudden um, being dragged through the media. What were those initial days like for you where all of a sudden you mentioned, wow, I was not prepared to be hated. Here I was, I thought I was just taking a stand. I thought that I'm just, I'm just expressing myself. A lot of people protest for a lot of different reasons in a lot of different ways. Why is this now coming at me? What was that experience like for you? Initially it was panic and fear, uh, instantly thinking like, are people going to try and find out where we live? There was like that whole major, oh, oh my goodness, like we need to run and hide. I considered hiding out for a few weeks somewhere. Um, so it was really scary at first. I'll admit that. Um, but once it settled, once that initial fear settled and I, I had the, I started to focus on the people that were supporting us because there was also a ton of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I turned off the news. I said, told people, please do not send me any media Good article. Move. <laughs> I don't want to read it because it's Turn not off the news. <laughs> yeah. Don't send it to me. Uh, and I just started focusing on the community that, that was there supporting, say, we stand with you. Um, and it, 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 I'd say like, it, it did take, it took a few weeks to get over that fear part. And then of course, you know, it was even still a bit longer to really grasp the fact that I was hated so much by a large portion of the, the community. But the thing is, is I felt an almost sense of peace because it was like a weight lifted off because I was yes. saying exactly what I felt. 
And yes, uh, we lost customers, but then we gained a whole lot of more people that um, I actually love and adore and that, you know, are so grateful to be a part of this community. So yes, I mean, losing people and being hated is not that great, but then having the peace and the living true to what you're saying is just so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, and it really does connect you to the people that you really align with. You you align with yourself, but then you have all these people that really appreciate you and see you for who you are. And you don't have to put on this facade and you don't have to hold anything in. You can just say how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting though, that that's not the norm for us, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it took, it took something of this magnitude, uh, to more or less force us into living and breathing our own internal value system. Um, and it's been eye-opening for me too, to realize just how guarded I had been around people and how much I withheld from uh, people in my life, because I'm like, Hey, you're not going to accept me. If you, if you know this about me or know that this is how I see things. And, uh, you have all these filters that are put up, but that seems to be something it's like a thing of the past when, uh, you, you take a stand in something with this level of publicity. Um, there's no going back to pretending to, uh, think or be, or believe or perceive things, in a way that is even remotely different from how you actually feel. Um, I love too, that you mentioned the focus on the community that was there to support you. And I think that'll be true for a lot of people, whether you were as public as, as your decision was, or whether it's more of a, a private inner circle thing that people are choosing to uh, speak up within the reason why now, so I, you mentioned fear at the beginning and rightfully so. And I know people even like Kristen Nagel who have had people show up at their house and, and who have had threatening, um, experiences because of the position that they've taken in a very public way. That fear is so real and it's so valid but having that community of people that wouldn't have found you otherwise ended up being the thing that helped you move through probably one of the most terrifying experiences of your life. And I think that's an important message for the listeners is to remember who's in your corner because that you could have one person come after you one person, and it takes up all of your attention, all of your energy everything about what you think about all day long ends up going towards this person that has caused you harm or said something or, or commented on a media post. And we forget so easily about the hundreds of people that are behind us because that painful situation feels that much louder to us. So focusing on the community, I think is a great point that you made. I also love that you talked about inner peace. I think that is probably one of the biggest gifts that people can give themselves right now. And especially in a world where we're literally torn apart in in every aspect of everything, we're divided. Peace is typically not a word that people would use to describe their state, the relationship that they have with others, the relationship our country has with other countries. Peace is not a popular word right now, yet so many people 
who are using their voices or standing up for what they believe in are saying exactly that. I'm at peace. And it's hard for people on the outside looking in to really grasp that if they themselves have not settled into that space um, where they feel like, okay, I know that uh, the majority of people that are uh, viewing me right now, not a fan, <laughs> don't really like what I'm saying, don't really like the choices I'm making, don't really like the direction I'm heading, don't really like the way that I'm managing my platform. There's a lot of them out there, but I'm sleeping better now than I ever have before. And that's directly related to inner peace because you're allowing yourself to just be who you are. But that mountain that you have to move through in order to arrive at that space is one that most people, they may get part of the way up and they're like, no, I got to go back down here. So how did you keep going? So now we're talking about a year, pretty much. If, if this kind of blew up on you last spring, we're, we're, you're a year into this. How now are you now the restaurant owner that uh, gives other people hope, that makes uh, the best reels ever, makes people laugh, brings people joy, coming from such like almost like a pit of your stomach rock bottom space to being such a beacon of light for people? How did you manage to keep going when it was so brutal? Well, like I said, things, um, I, I got over that initial fear and then it was the summer and we had so much support at the restaurant after um, taking that stand. Uh, we had a whole new crowd, whole new community and the restrictions sort of lifted through the summer. If you remember, I think that they dropped the mass and everything sort of seemed to inch back towards getting closer. And then the looming vax passes came in and we we're like, Oh, shit, here we go again. Yeah. Um, we knew it was coming, but it was like a little glimmer of hope. Like maybe they won't come into effect. Um, and then we got the actual confirmation. Nope. They're coming in immediately. It was no, it, there wasn't even a question that we were going to try and check and not check. It was immediately. We're not checking. We're going to be public about not checking and we're going to fight this. I don't care if we're the only restaurant doing it. We've been through this before. Um, and so we took a hard stance straight away. I, the lead, the few, I think it was a couple of weeks leading up to the day I was, you know, getting all the FOI requests, trying to gather all the information as my backup. Um, I was reading to the PHO, like with a fine tooth comb, like finding any, sorry, that's my baby, uh, <laughs> finding any sort of little thing that I could challenge or, you know, figure out a way around this. Um, and there was this big, huge uh, red flag, like, well, wait a minute, McDonald's doesn't have to check for passports. Why the hell not? Oh, it's a safety issue for their staff. Oh, they have too many people that would cause an inconvenience to check passports. And I'm like, well, hello, how is that any different from any other business? This is a major inconvenience. It's not right. Um, it is a safety issue because I don't want to ask for anyone's impersonal medical information. I don't want to have to deal with that. So I was like, well, here we go. We're going to turn into a fast food counter service restaurant. That's where we're going to roll. If that's considered safe, then I can't get dragged through the mud again, or the, our restaurant can't because we're just doing the same thing that McDonald's is. So how can you say they can do it safely and we can't? So here we go. So um, brief the staff. This is what we're going to do. I hadn't worked in the restaurant physically in over 10 years because of my children. My oldest is 10 um, and I had a lot of babies, so I haven't worked in the restaurant, but 
Um, I was, I was like, no, I'm going to be, I have to go back to work because I don't want my staff to have to deal with health authorities or police or any sort of backlash. So I was like, here we go. We're going all in. Um, and we didn't check passports. We did counter service. We made people order at the door when they came in. Um, we were so busy and lined up around the block. We even put a time limit into the tables and, you know, we told, we were public about the fact that we're trying to be fast food with this time limit. But really the reason why we put the time limit in was also because all these people had nowhere else to go. And here they came from all over the city, lining up for over an hour. We wanted to make sure we got everybody in. So we had to put time limits on tables, which means people weren't staying there, getting wasted and being uh, unsafe. Because they said the whole thing with alcohol is they said it makes people behave in an unsafe way. Mm-hmm. Um, People were not staying long enough for that to happen. People were having a couple of glasses of wine with dinner, maybe a beer. Um, and we rolled like that for two months. And we were in in this busiest we've ever been in the whole 14 year wow. history of our restaurant. Lineups every single night. Well, and- I considered driving from Alberta to your restaurant <laughs> because I didn't have anywhere else to go either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I can imagine the crowds you must have had. Mm-hmm. And the people... I was always at the door, the one taking the orders, the people that would come up to me, it was person after person crying, hugging, tears, because they felt seen. Um, They just couldn't, they were overwhelmed that somebody was providing a place for them that wasn't judging them. You know, I think it was a buildup of the last two years of these people maybe hiding or feeling like, you know, they weren't a part of society, they weren't a part of their families, all this extra emotion behind it. And I was hearing it and I was pregnant I was pregnant at the time and I was getting more and more pregnant. And I was, as I was getting closer to the point where I'm like, I can't really be here that much anymore. Uh, I was like, okay, I need, I need to keep this community. I need to give people this hope because that's what it, when when they would come into the restaurant, there was just like tears of joy and hugs. And they were just so grateful. I wanted to carry that on with me, not being at the restaurant and provide a space from, you know, far away, I guess. Right. So that's where the Instagram turned into me, you know, making light of or making fun or making jokes of or just creating a positive space rather than case, you know, we all share the doom and gloom information, which is important because people need to see it, but we also need to sort of make fun of it because mm-hmm. if, you know, the saying, if you don't laugh, you cry. And I, mm-hmm. I say that a lot now. <laughs> every day, every so, day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's how that Instagram sort of took off and it really, really grew from there. Cause it, you know, I think, like I said, people just needed to feel seen and feel Mm -hmm. heard and just have a space where they're not considered these lepers of society. So that's what gave me hope to keep going. That's, that's, what's gotten me here and where I have so much, like, you know, they say that the journey of personal growth is, is always hard, but on the other side, like I, that struggle in the beginning was all worth it because now I do have the confidence. I, um, I have the belief that, you know, that we are going to make a huge change. Mm -hmm. Um, I still, you know, think we still have, are going to have some hard times ahead, but I was watching your live this morning. We have till 2020 to 25 to deal with this uh, person that's in charge, (laughs) (laughs) but um, it's like this community is growing at warp speed. It is the amount of people that are coming out, the amount of people that are speaking up. And we just have to thank the people that are trying to squash us because it's just making us stronger. I, oh, that's such a great point you bring up because, uh, you know, I'm sure you probably get a lot of messages too. When, when sometimes you share the doom and gloom, um, it, it can create that sense of 
panic or fear in people that uh, may cause them to feel hopeless or may cause them to feel like things are getting worse instead of better. But I completely agree with you that the harder they press on us, the more people like us pop up that uh, maybe have been dormant until now. And, and it took that one new level of overreach or control to, to have that next person say enough is enough. We got to start pushing back or we got to start asking different questions. Um, and, and I believe that if it wasn't for this level of chaos and, and destruction and carnage and control and deceit and dishonesty, that the majority of us wouldn't have a clue what is going on in a plethora of things. And we certainly wouldn't know one another and, and we wouldn't have the community that we have now. So, you know, when things are brutal and when that new layer of what the hell are they doing now comes, which they've shown us, they will just continue to do this. Um, we know that it brings more people into our spaces and we get stronger and this community grows. And uh, like, that's, that's the beauty of all of this. I got a question for you though. All of the people that I, uh, you know, really came for you, not in the good way. Um, maybe we're jumping on uh, social media or mainstream media posts about you and, and just not being kind do you think that if you had the opportunity to sit down with some of those people that they would understand why you did what you did? Or do you think that these people um, are hopeless when it comes to potentially seeing another side of this? I think there is a large portion of those people that are realizing where I came from, was coming from and that things don't add up. But I also think mm -hmm. there is a portion of people that are just so far deep into this, um, they don't want to admit that they've been mm -hmm. taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, but there's also the people that are just want full in this. They, the media did a really good job about scaring the hell out of people. They really like, did. Think how many people are still wearing masks outside. Yep. People yeah. are still terrified. Yep. And um, you can't, you, you have to feel bad for those people yeah. because they are literally scared to death. They're, yes. they're shutting down their whole life for this thing that the media played all parts in making this big, huge, scary thing. And it wasn't. So um, you have to feel compassion for those people. I know people hate that, but you do because some yeah. people are just so far gone in their fear. When you're fearful, you can't think rationally. You, you really don't. And, you and become that's what so they much. Did you become so much easier to manipulate when, yeah. and, and they know that, right? When exactly uh, the goal has been to instill fear, uh, the underlying mission there has been to instill compliance because people who are afraid will usually look to someone else for protection instead of themselves. So yeah. when that protection is coming in the form of mandates and restrictions and bylaws and all these other things that came down the pipeline, um, that to them is safety. It's the solution for their fears. And then therefore people like you become the danger. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's been probably one of the most fascinating things that I've really wrapped my head around. Um, Cause I was that person that watched the news fully admit it. I grew up with the news. 
six o'clock news is just what happened in our household around the dinner table. And it was around June of 2020 where my husband and I were noticing ourselves just completely fired up by like eight o'clock in the morning, just riled up, pissed off, freaked out, worried. What if, and thank God we connected the dots that we only feel that way when we watch the news. And it's interesting that when the TV was off, uh, we were okay. (laughs) It wasn't until these thoughts and fears were planted in us that we, that we started to notice our, our central nervous system getting all bent out of shape and nerves are flying. And like, Oh my God, what about mom and dad? Oh my God. What about the travel plans? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. We shut it off. And it was that moment that everything started to tip. Uh, and I experienced my own, what we call an awakening because all of a sudden my head wasn't rammed full of information and fear mongering that it was now open to, all right, what's everyone else saying here? What's going on? That's what allowed me to be open enough to obviously do something on my Instagram account to allow the algorithm to lead me to you. Uh, and I think that's why, uh, it's important that we remain open and, and curious instead of so closed off that we won't even listen to another person's perspective. Cause I, I share your, your thought process too. I believe that a lot of people that may have dragged your name through the mud in 2021, if they just sat down with you in your restaurant and heard you out, they would probably start nodding their head, um, and think, wow, wow. Why didn't I see it this way? Why did I allow myself to Uh, be manipulated with fear to the point where I thought that publicly disparaging a pregnant mother and restaurant owner was an acceptable thing for me to do. And I think that's going to be difficult for a lot of people to navigate um, as they come to terms with maybe some of the behaviors that they engaged in or uh, the divisiveness that they took part in or even created. Um, when at the end of the day, we're all human beings trying to do the right thing based on the information that we have before us. But I think you were uh, in a better position than the majority of people because you were actively seeking information as opposed to simply relying on information that was being presented to us. Do you think that if more restaurant owners, or maybe even just the general public had have spent more time questioning the information that was put before us and seeking information that's out there, but only if you're willing to put in the time and effort to go find it. Do you think that maybe you would have had more support in the restaurant industry um, or from the general public if more restaurant owners had have kind of gone to the same length that you did? Um, I think the government did a really good job about dangling the carrot in front of our faces and restaurant, all business owners were just so defeated at that point in debt. Um, just hoping that this last little thing is going to get us through. This is the last thing. This is going to be the last restriction um, that they thought, well, this will be the last thing. And then we can go back to normal. So I think they kept leading us to believe that we were almost there. Yeah. Um, and then it's two years later. And I, I feel like a lot of restaurants, businesses 
agreed with our stance, but we're just so scared. Yeah. Uh, also, the media did a good job of making me look so bad. And who, as a business owner, who's already in debt, who would want to um, go through that? Who would want to do that? Yeah. So they did that on purpose. That was very calculated. Like, don't you dare stand up. Look what we did to her. Yeah. Um, but um, I think a lot of restaurants were just, they, they beat, beat us down as owners. They really just yeah. trampled on all, all over us. And um, they were just hanging on to survive so that any extra negativity in the terms of, um, you know, the authorities, um, customers, and any sort of glitch in the, their business was just going to be the, the nail in the coffin. So yeah. um, in terms of the VAX passes, I really do wish restaurant owners had a bit more of a backbone. Um, what ended up happening is that we they closed us down after two months of operating. Uh, finally, when they were trying to figure out what to, I think they're just trying to figure out what to do with us at that point. They didn't really know, like, well, we got to handle this carefully because she does have a point. Yeah, <laughs> I can McDonald's run without. Um, so they ended up shutting us down. Um, and we immediately went with like, the, you know, the thing that they did when they shut us down is they didn't give us any warning. And um, yes, we did defy a previous health order, but I feel like they could have approached us with, okay, you can stay open without taking passive this. Like we were kind of hoping for that conversation to happen. That's what yeah. I was hoping. And the health authorities called us, called or came to the restaurant when I wasn't there. And I said, okay, can you come back tomorrow? We can sit down and have a discussion. And I want to move forward. I want to keep my doors open, but I really don't want to check passports. I, if McDonald's doesn't have to, I want to be able to operate the same way. So if we have that discussion, they said, sure, no problem. And then instead the next day they came down with a closure order. Um, but it took a, a month of negotiation um, and they ended up saying, okay, fine, you can reopen, but you can't serve alcohol. And that's where that came from. Okay. Yeah. And uh that's a huge part of our business, obviously. Yeah. Profit margin um, is in alcohol, right? In, in the restaurant industry. Yeah. yeah. But um, there's just no way I could check passwords. There's just absolutely no way. So it was either that or just completely close our doors. So I was like, okay, I'll take that. Um, and we brought in like, you know, sort of a higher end alcohol free drink program. And I knew the community would stand behind us because of what I experienced when we kept our doors open and all those people just wanting to feel human and have a place to go. And that is what happened that we still got support. We were still had, we still had lineups. Um, and I feel like if restaurants took the same approach, if there was even like 50 of us that said, you know what, sure, we'll stop serving alcohol. It would take literally one week and the government would flip it because yep we collect a lot of tax for them on those alcohol sales. Absolutely. Um, and also it just, we know that the, the Vancouver Coastal Health Officer, I don't know if you know this, went public and said um, the VAX passport system is not because of a safety issue. It's because it increases uptake of vaccines. It's simply a method to boost people to, or to push people towards getting it. So yes. literally they are using us to coerce people. And so when I heard that, it was just like, obviously I wasn't, that didn't change my stance on it at all, but it just solidified the fact that, see, this is not a health issue. And I think that issue. opens a lot, opened a lot of people's eyes. It's not a health issue. We're not doing this passport to keep people safe. It's literally to uptake getting the shot. So, um, 
I, I think if, if restaurants just took that stance, like fine, we'll just drop our alcohol, it would take a week because it would just, it eliminates that fact of then people have somewhere to go. So then they don't need to go get that thing to go into a restaurant. Um, exactly. So I don't know. I'm hoping if this happens again, um, that I think, like you said, it's, it's making more and more people aware and more and more people pop up and say, okay, no, this isn't right. We need to put an end to it. Yeah. Do you think that I, I don't even want to say if, cause my gut tells me that we're, we're not too far away from having to deal with some of this stuff all over again. Do you think that, uh, you know, if, if the restaurant industry is finally, especially in BC, cause you guys were one of the last finally being able to operate uh, without all these restrictions and, you know, business starts to pick up again and things start to feel normal again. If come time for the fall, we're in April now, come time for the fall, uh, they strike down again and say, we're back to restrictions. We're back to mandates. Do you think then restaurant owners may be more inclined, especially now that they have seen you not just survive, but come out on the other side of this with more support than you had going into it. Do you think that more restaurant owners will have that backbone to say, you know what, we got to stand up in solidarity with this. I do. Or you do a eh? 100%. That yeah. brings me joy. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, even restaurants locally in our community, I don't want to speak for them, but they had to have mm-hmm. seen the lineups wrapped around the block and while well, their doors were empty, right? So um, I, I think more restaurants will have the courage to stand up. Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, it's been it's been very different here in Alberta um, throughout our experience with this. We really had quite a normal existence uh, when provinces like BC, Ontario were like, crazy lockdown levels we were still out having beers and we're like what in the heck is going on everywhere else there were bouts of time where uh the restaurants would go into a shutdown uh for two to three weeks maybe and then they're like all right we can open everything back up again and we're like okay i guess we can go back out for for drinks again (laughs) like this is very strange but okay but in comparison to other provinces um we didn't feel that like super heavy handedness here in Alberta until September when out of nowhere, our premier went from being open for summer, no masks, like everyone, you know, good for you for, for getting vaccinated, but there was no crazy pressure happening. So it was like everything was done. And then all of a sudden we got smacked with mask mandates. And then about one to two weeks on its tails, vaccine passports and it was shell shocking to be an unvaccinated person in Alberta who had more or less um, been living quite freely. Uh, I'm obviously speaking in general here because I know that everyone has been impacted in a number of different ways. Speaking from my own experience though, um, to all of a sudden know that I was not allowed to go into someone's establishment shook me in a way that I don't think I'll ever be able to, to fully articulate in a way that people will understand if they haven't been put in that position. And that's why I think you, I know you had the support and have the support that you do because you taking the position that you did 
literally felt like a lifeline to people like me, that there was a little shred of hope that I'm like, okay, there's people seeing things and they're taking action and they're clearly not doing it because it's the easy road to take. Um, even though uh, this was probably the darkest fall and winter of my life, um, basically being kicked out of just about anywhere here in Alberta, knowing that there were still people out there fighting to do the right thing, um, helped in ways that I don't think I can properly ever fully express to you. Um, even though you're not even in the same province as me, just knowing that like corduroy restaurants holding down the fort, they're holding the line. We're going to be okay. Um, you know, they're setting the right example for people and, and for restaurant owners that like segregation is literally not okay. A two class society is not okay. And, you know, part of me obviously is, is, you know, 99% of the time, usually upset with what our government officials are up to, no matter what party they belong to. Um, but I got to the point where I was more saddened by the way that people were willingly participating in what the government was doing. Um, and it was really, really hurtful and heartbreaking. A lot of days to see, you know, friends or family out having drinks or celebrations in places that I know you cannot get in unless you're showing papers. Um, that was painful. Uh, because it, it just kind of really further exacerbated just how ostracized people had been. So I just, and I know that you probably get these messages all the time, but I just want you to know how, how impactful that decision was that you made that clearly was not the easy thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. Uh, and how much of a lifeline it tossed so many people all across Canada um, to know that, okay, not everybody hates us and thinks that we're out to kill everybody's grandmothers. There are people out there that do still care about our rights. There are still people out there that are willing to fight, um, and take a stand when, um, you're having a world of hurt thrown at you. Um, but it's, it's people like you that make a difference. And I'm sure in those initial days when you were literally hiding for, or at least wanting to hide out of fear for your own safety, you're, you're probably thinking, what in the hell did I just do? And have I ruined everything? Um, I think if more people knew what was on the other side, uh, the love, the unity, the support, the growth, the um, camaraderie, the support for the business, that more people will follow suit. So thank you is basically what I'm trying to say. Because I, I don't think, I don't think anyone realizes how important this work is uh, and, and how you're, you're helping to protect the future generations from having to walk the same dreadful path that you had to. Because if we all just sat back and said, this is totally fine. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with this. This is totally acceptable and respectful and uh, not at all damaging to any one human being. Um, it would be the next generation that's left to do the fighting. Is that, is that a big motivating factor for you? When, when you think about the next generation, especially having five children of your own, is that something that propels you forward when it feels maybe not worth it on some days? 100% that was the whole 
basis behind it because yeah. I was thinking about my kids and the future. That's that's what gave me the motivation in the beginning was my own mm-hmm. family. And I didn't even really grasp until like that my Instagram became more of a public thing. I didn't really grasp the impact it was having for other people across Canada that were experiencing the seclusion and the the segregation with what was happening. So <clears throat> to hear that and to hear messages that like, you know, that that is what keeps me going now. That's what gives me strength now is hearing the impact it's having for people. Um, and just creating this community, I think just that connection that we're not alone in this. There are, yeah. there are many of us out there that agree that this is not okay and that, you know, we need to do something to put an end to it. Yeah. Amen to that. Last question I have for you. Is there anything that looking back, you would have done differently? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think the only thing that I could have maybe done is had someone prepare me for the media backlash, but I don't think you can really prepare for that. You don't know yeah. what that's going to look like. Yeah. Um, I think things happen the way they're supposed to happen. I'm someone that believes that things happen for not a reason, but that you're on that path and things do have to happen a certain way in order to get to a certain point. Um, so looking back, I think it would just be preparing mentally first before, (laughs) before making such a big public stance. I think yeah. that would be the only thing, but I mean, like I said, you, you can't really prepare for something like that. And it, it does make you stronger. It really does. And, uh, it's a whole growth that happens with that. Yeah, that's well said. I, I don't think anyone could prepare, you know, what do you do? Hire a life coach or a therapist be like, can you please prepare me for about 180,000 people to hate me next week? I mean, what do you do? You know, but I'm with you. I, I truly believe that uh, we cause ourselves a lot more pain when we're trying to control our process every step of the way, because we're trying to avoid hard things, or we're trying to avoid the hurt or the controversy or the polarization, um, as opposed to allowing ourselves to experience it as it comes to us and making decisions that are rooted in, you know, trusting ourselves, trusting our intuition, trusting the decisions that we're making, um, we may not be able to see the outcome and we may not be able to predict how things will fall, but if we're rooted in self-trust every step of the way, then I don't think we can go wrong. So thank you, Rebecca. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for bringing baby. Um, if you hear the little, the murmurs and the beautiful sounds, yes. uh, baby's <laughs> been with us on the call. Um, so sweet. I love that baby's always literally attached to your trust chest and all your videos too. Um, where's the best place for people to find you? If, uh, maybe listeners, uh, haven't heard of you yet. Um, Instagram, uh, at corduroy restaurant is our Instagram profile. We're getting our website more, uh, better, um, set up for communication. There is a message inbox on there, but I don't check it as much as I should. So, um, (laughs) at Cordway restaurant on Instagram is the best place right now. Amazing. Well, I'm a loyal fan of yours. I appreciate everything that you've done. Um, thank you so much. And just thank you for sharing your, your journey behind the scenes with us too. I think it helps more than anyone realizes to know that 
we're all just regular human beings trying to navigate our lives and standing up for what we believe in. Um, So I appreciate you bringing the reality to the discussion of the fact that it's going to be hard in the early stages, but worth it still a hundred percent of the time. So thank you, Rebecca. Yes. Thank and you thank so you, much baby. for having me on the show. <laughs> you did good, baby. He's just a little bit now. So. Oh, okay. so sweet. Thanks, <laughs> thank Rebecca. You so much. We'll chat soon. Ah. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you need support to grow or start your business online, be sure to connect with me at www.businesswithsarah.com forward slash connect or send us an email at team at businesswithsarah.com. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and leave a five-star rating on your favorite platform to help me reach more listeners. Until our next chat, be courageous and take some action.